Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Welcome to episode 118 of Discovered Wordsmiths. Today I have Bill Kiraly, who I know personally from a writer group that we attend in Cleveland. Uh, Finnish published Polish with Dave Horn. It's a great group, so if you are listening, you're in the Northeast Ohio area. We meet on the first Monday of uh, every month, so you can find out more. I'll put a link in the show notes. And today, Bill is going to talk about his book, Songs of a Befuddled Muse, which is something he's been writing for a while, but he also has some interesting things to say in the second half about writing with real people in your stories. And I know that's a discussion many authors talk about. So if you're interested in his book, check out Songs of a Befuddled Muse. And if you're an author, check out the second half, part B, where we talk about writing for real people. And again, if you enjoy the book, if you enjoy the author, go check out their book. Go get it out of the library if it exists. Read it in Kindle Unlimited if it exists or buy it. These authors want their books read. If you like a certain genre, check out all the other authors that I've interviewed on the podcast. You can find it at the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. So before I ramble too long, here's Bill. Bill, welcome to today's Discovered Wordsmiths. Good to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been listening to your podcasts and really enjoying them. Oh, thanks. Great. I'm glad. Pretty inspirational. Oh, that was the whole idea. That's what I wanted to get out of it. I hope. And now you're up in the Cleveland area, so we're not too far apart. So you enjoying the weather today? Uh, Definitely. Sure. Sure. Be the last few days. Yes. I was just going to say, it's a lot nicer today. I got the window open just a little (laughs) bit. Yeah. I I had to close mine because there were trucks going by. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's always a problem. But all right. I know you a little bit. We're in one of the same groups in Cleveland. Yeah. We meet once a month with Dave Van Horn. Publish, polish, repeat, or no, publish, polish, something. <laughs> I keep getting them confused. Publish, polish, and get the damn thing done. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. But why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you, some of the hobbies and things you like to do in your life other than writing? Okay. I'm all born and raised in Cleveland area, moved away from for quite a while, never expected to come back. Came back due to family matters, met my wife, and pretty much stayed. In my spare time, there's a few things that I like to do. Like everybody else you have on your podcast, I like to hike, but I also like to kayak a lot. Nice. And more, more just recreationally than going crazy. I have a daughter who's a sea kayaker, trains in sea kayaking. I don't do that quite, quite to that level. The other kind of interesting thing I do is uh, been a photographer for a lot of years, slipped into this weird little niche of stereo photography. Oh, I'm doing primarily stereo stills. I belong to a local group, national group, as part of a national group. And it's a lot of fun. It's harder than regular photography because you have two cameras that are always not going off at the same time. 
and two, two ways for things to go wrong, at least every time. I had, one of my daughters is an artist. And Maverick will talk about her when we get into the meat of things. But we do painting parties. That's kind of part of the way we paid her way through the Cleveland Institute of Art. Wow. So we do a lot of painting parties. My wife is the MC. I'm the photographer. And they're just a blast to do. We do them on the Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad, among other places, as well as at people's homes and clubs. Oh, cool. We always say if you can paint, if you can paint a picture on a moving train, you can do it anywhere. And my stuff normally looks like it was painted on a moving train, so I'd fit right in. <laughs> it actually improves a little bit with a couple glasses of wine. So That's another one of our famous sayings. The more wine you drink, the better you're painting. Yeah, and it looks better, even if it doesn't really look better. <laughs> exactly. All right. Why did you want to start writing? Well, boy, I've written all my life. I did actually grow up in a kind of a challenging household. And writing at that time was just my way of dealing with the issues that I had to face. I don't want to go into a lot of details there. But I started writing, and actually, I liked a lot of stuff. And I went to my teachers, and here's the stuff I do. And I got a lot of criticism back then, and, or good critiques, rather, is the better way of putting it. I did try to continue writing fiction in college. There's a few pieces there that I'm afraid that if I ever do actually get famous, they're going to come back to haunt me. Somebody will bring out this one I submitted to a contest, and I'll be just terminally embarrassed about it. <laughs> I, part of what I did is I think I figured I had to start writing politically. I, I had to have a message in my stories. Uh, and I do have messages in my stories, but when you write it directly like that, they come out to be crap, basically. So I didn't do a lot, but what I did do is I ended up in my, between my third and fourth year, I went to University of Virginia, so we don't have seniors and juniors. So between the third and fourth year, I started working for the school paper and discovered I really loved it. I became a writer and photographer, but primarily a writer for that. And I continued doing that through the end of the year. And I ended up working as a reporter, again, a reporter photographer for about 10 years after I got out of school. And that was yeah, the best times of my life. That was, that was so much, such a fun job to do. Didn't pay well. And when I did meet my wife, we thought we started talking about getting married and all that stuff. And it's like, well, I can't survive on $10,000 a year. But I mostly worked for smaller papers. I did work for the, I did some stringing for the Beacon Journal. Some of my best work was actually done in New Mexico. I worked for the Socorro Defense Chieftain. It's this weird, bizarre, beautiful little town in the middle of, of, of New Mexico, in central New Mexico, right off the Rio Grande, uh, full of just fantastic characters. And I worked there for a couple of years, and I, that was some of the best work I did. I worked around here as well, and a little bit in D.C. after I graduated from college. Nice. Okay. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, I've heard people, authors, uh, not the younger ones, the more experienced mm -hmm. authors, that they started with doing some journalism, some newspapers and magazines or things, which is not as easy for the younger ones. They can't help that. But it seems to be a good, even if you want to write fiction, it seems to be a good jumping off point to get you writing, to get you practicing. Definitely that. And also the, just the people you meet and the things you, and the things you do. And yeah, I don't know that I've included a lot of it in any of my writing so far. Big things, but just the whole genre of people and the, the kinds of people I met influenced me. I think for me, the lesson to pass on to the younger writers is you want to write that 
world-class USA Today best-selling novel. You want to compete with Stephen King and Patterson and Rowling and all those, but sometimes that's not the first thing you do. You have to do other things that actually contribute and help you to get to that point. And it's not always a direct straight path. I think everybody, kind of, I think, forgets that sometimes. Just kind of a lesson to pass on. So we're going to talk about, oh, sorry, go ahead. Let me just, I'll finish just real quickly. Yeah. I've written, even through most of my adult life, some. I liked it, but I never quite got into it. I, you're raising a family and working as a web developer, web designer, a, a, a graphic designer. All those things take an awful lot of your time. So I, I didn't spend a lot of time writing until I got, until my kids were grown. And like I said, one of my daughters is an artist. And she's the one who actually came to me and said, hey, let's do writing prompt. Let's create a monthly prompt. I'll paint a picture or I'll do something already. And you write a story about it. And that's where actually a lot of the stories in this book came from. Nice. But she's the one who got me back into it. And I discovered I really missed it and I really loved it. So writing has been a part of your life, but it hasn't been a full-time focus for all of your life. Correct. But it's going to be my next career when I can finally, when I can finally retire from what I'm doing. Nice. Okay. So the book we're going to talk about is Songs of a Befuddled Muse. Tell us a bit about that book. Okay. It's a book of 13, 12 short stories and one novella. As I say, a lot of them came from the writing prompts per se, but it's not like they're stupid writing prompt stories like you get in a high school classroom. I, it just became a jumping point. Okay, here's an interesting thought. Let's take this somewhere completely different that nobody would ever imagine. And then we started getting a whole lot more creative and less specific about the prompts. It turns out I was the one who, who wrote more than she painted because she was in the middle of art school and trying to graduate. It's 13 stories. It's a benefit and a problem that it doesn't really fit into any genre, per se. There's some sci-fi stories in there. The two stories that are part of the same series, the one story and then the novella after it, and I hope to be a future series, are time travel stories. Some of them are, one of my favorites is a clown noir story, a circus <laughs> clown who's also a PI, and he has to solve the murder of his friend and mentor. Does he wear the nose while he's investigating? Uh, don't give it away. <laughs> That's why it'd have to be that way. <laughs> yeah. You'll find it out, but it, it just takes it and puts it in, in, in. He's very serious about what he does. His job is to make the kids laugh and the bad guys cry. Nice. Okay. And that was just, that's such a fun story to write. And there's a ghost story in there. There's a few other types of paranormal type stories and some that are. I'm almost unclassifiable. Okay. They're not really par paranormal. They're just whatever came to my mind at the time. And that, it's a benefit in that I love the stories, and I think it's a really fascinating, interesting book. It makes it a little harder to sell because <laughs> I can't find all the keywords I need on, on uh, Amazon yet. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because it seems like multiple genres. So do you have intentions to write books in a specific genre, or do you want to write whole stories, books in all these multiple genres? Yes. No, the book I'm working on now is something that it is, like I said, I was, I've been writing all my life. I started this probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I love the story. It's an interesting, but it is, it 
across as, its own genre. I don't know. I don't know how much I should give away. It's it is a written in the style of a fantasy, an epic fantasy, another world type fantasy, but there's no real fantasy per se. Okay. The wizards are all fakes. Okay. And they've created this world that is just very strange. And that's coming up. Do you have any time frame when you might? I hope to it? get the first one done. Oh, I don't know. 2023 sometime and i'm pretty sure it's going to take at least one more to finish the story possibly two okay i've right. got 50 60,000 words in it already fair number which would have to be removed at some point so the songs of a befuddled muse full genres multiple stories and first written uh, from prompts with you and your daughter do you think prompts but again i i, I don't want to say it's just I had a prompt that I had to do a prompt on. It became things, okay, let's, I'd create the prompt. One of them is based off a statue that my daughter and I both loved when we were in, in Paris. Okay. So um, do you think you like, you've liked writing? Do you think without doing that, you would have still gotten back into writing and pushed yourself to get books? I think I would have, but this just pushed me into it. Okay. And it just, Became fun. I'll, tell, I'll mention one thing. When I was a reporter, I loved the reporting, and I loved when the article was done. But I hated the writing. <laughs> you know, it was a really painful process, especially back in those days when it was all on type. Now I love writing. I just I really enjoy the time that I can spend doing it. It's not enough time that I can spend doing it, but uh, I really really like doing it, and I, I enjoy coming up with these characters. Okay. The, the book, the stories, would you say there's some other books or authors out there that are similar? So anyone listening that likes those others would say, oh, yeah, I might like that. I want to be Ted Chang when I grow up. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy who wrote the story that became the movie Arrival. Okay, and yeah. It's from a book called Stories of Your Life, and it is a jaw-droppingly fantastic book in my mind. It's the kind of thing that, again, he's, he crosses genres in there as well. You know, there's one about, if I remember correctly, ancient Babylon. And in the newer book, there's another about the ancient Arab world, which is a time travel story. So apparently he likes that, and I like time travel too. So that, I, I like that idea. I take a little, I love Ray Bradbury. He's done a lot of stuff where, again, it's sci-fi and fantasy, and just weird fiction and speculative fiction, all in the same book. And that's what I grew up on. And I even take a little bit from Arthur C. Clarke, because a couple of the stories in this book are just short, funny stories just for one or two gags slash points. Okay. Uh, and then some of them are much longer pieces. So it's a mixture of all those things, and I'd like to pull all of that in. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, if I can compare myself to greats Ray Bradbury, Ted Chang, Arthur C. Clarke, among others. Then you're happy. <laughs> yeah. If I get put in that, that, that genre or that, that uh, company. Got it. And so the book is independently published, correct? It is independently published, yes. And we've both gotten some help from Dave getting things. But let's just a shout out to the group again. I'll put links exactly. in the show notes. What type of feedback are you getting from readers? I've got... Five reviews, well, let's see, six stars or six sets of stars and five reviews. All of them, you know, what, what is it, four, four fives and one four. Okay. 
I've given it to a lot of people, getting a lot of reviews, people saying how much they liked it, including people who've passed it on to other friends, and then they report back to me that their friends like it. So people who do read it do like it. It's just, it's got interesting characters. It goes in a whole bunch of different fun directions. Now, there just aren't enough of them out there yet. Got it. We talked a bit about the different genres. Have you had any feedback on someone saying, I really like the sci-fi stuff, but not the paranormal or anything along those lines? Nobody's given me anything quite that specific. That's good. They'll name the stories that they like, but they're not saying you shouldn't have included this kind of story in there. And that's typical. People usually like a couple and a couple less (laughs) in there. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's typical. If you had a choice, now this is a interesting mix of genres, but let's say your next book, which is one story, if you had a choice to take a story, one of your stories, would you rather ha- turn it into a movie or a TV show? I wouldn't refuse either. Okay, um, that's a good answer. I, I was thinking about that in terms of this book. Most of them would make a TV show, but the one pair of stories could actually become a movie. Heck, if the next book goes really well, the whole like five seasons, like the Game of Thrones, I'd be really happy with that. Yeah. yeah. And you don't even have to finish the series before the TV show runs out, obviously. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to finish the series, unfortunately, because I loved those books long before it was popular to love those books. And I've been reading George R. R. Martin for a long time. If he never gets to finish them, Brandon Sanderson can step in and finish those too. So I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Where is your book available? It's available on on Amazon right now. Okay. It's available as print on demand. And I was a little surprised. I thought most people would buy the Kindle version because I'm a fairly big Kindle reader. But it's available as a more, more people bought the print on demand than the Kindle version. It's available for Kindle and it's available for Kindle Unlimited. Okay. And one of the things I did, I don't know that it's paid off or not, but I each of the stories is available separately as a Kindle book or a Kindle story. Um, And I did that mostly as a way of trying to find some way of advertising them and hitting different genres. So in any given month, how many of those individual stories are people getting as opposed to the whole book? Okay. So not necessarily working. It it may be working in that people see that and then they say, the whole book is $2 more. Let me just do that or I can get it all on Kindle Unlimited. Which is actually, yeah, the point. (laughs) Yeah. The whole point was to just be able to, okay, the time travel stories. I can put in time travel, time travel romance, time travel, historical, alternate history, things like that. Right. And you're in Kindle Unlimited. Do you get page views and reads through that pretty Mm -hmm. good? And do you have any plans once it's out of there, putting it wide? Or you just go keep it unlimited? Sorry. I'm not sure why I would want to make that choice unless I can make a lot more money selling okay. them with it. Because I think if it's in Kindle Unlimited, I have, is, it, is that where I'm limited in the, the price? No, if you're in Kindle back. Unlimited and people could check it out using Kindle, you're not allowed to go elsewhere. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering if your page views start oh, yeah. diminishing, okay, yeah. if you go um, out to Barnes and Noble or Apple or anything. Right now, I want readers. I mean, this whole book, I'm not planning on making a lot of money on this book, which is fortunate that I didn't plan for that so far. Really, I want to develop a readership, people who were looking for the next book. Okay. I'll do 
whatever it takes to get more people to read it. Okay, good. Uh, at the okay. moment, I don't, you know, Amazon's responsible for what, 75, 80%? Yeah, huge. I do want to make, whether I record it or whether somebody else records it, I really would love to make an audio book too. Okay, that'd be cool to hear if that affects your other sales or anything mm -hmm. too. That'd be good. So do you have a website? There is befuddledmuse.com is the website for the book. Cohencorelli.com is my personal one. And they'll lead you to a couple other photographic sites and so forth that I have. Okay. Some of your other interests interwoven. A little bit. Okay. But the film music is about this book and it has my bio and my daughter's bio. Now we talked a little bit about her. One of the things I wanted to mention, if you'll see on the back of this model, and I know the, the people who are listening can't see what I'm showing, but there's tattoos. My daughter, among other things, is a tattoo artist. Nice. And each of the individual books has just one tattoo on her that represents that story. And then the start of every chapter has one of her tattoos, one of her drawings. So not only did she play a part in getting me started on this, she played a part in making this a really beautiful visual. Nice. And this will go up on YouTube so people can take yeah. a look at it. And anyone listening that hasn't seen it on YouTube, it's over there. Links, yeah, well, if, links if, on they the to, if they go see the book in Amazon, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you'll see the tattoos there. We'll have links to that too. So you mentioned Arthur C. Clarke and Asimov and those guys. Do you have any other favorite books and authors? Are you familiar with Mary Doria Russell from the Cleveland area? I am not. She's written what's probably one of my most favorite books ever. It's called The Sparrow. Okay. And then... Children of God was the second book in that series. And then she's written, those were her first two books and they're sci-fi. The other books are, you know, they tend to be a little bit like mine and they go in slightly mixed different genres. Beautiful, wonderful writer. Yeah, I'm sure it's almost like whoever I'm reading now is my favorite writer. But yeah, I could come up with a lot. Martin is fantastic as well. Okay. All right. And up in Cleveland, I know most of the bookstores, but do you have a favorite bookstore that you like to go to? I'm, I, this is embarrassing for me because I have, in the past, loved bookstores. Back in the old days before Amazon, I had a number of bookstores in different places that I lived that I would, I was a regular denizen of there, but there aren't any that I know of here in, in Solon. Um, I go to Borders sometimes, but mostly I probably buy my, my, myself, I buy from Amazon and I love Audible. Right? Yeah. I'm okay. a huge audiobook listener. Okay, um, good. All right. Before we finish up the first half here with your book and move on to author stuff, if somebody came, saw you on the street or whatever and said, so why should I get your book and read it? What would you tell them? It's fun. It's interesting. It's got some really cool stories in it. You'll enjoy it. Okay. And, uh, nice. Great, Bill. Thanks for sharing all that today. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please check out the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. There are a lot of other authors, a lot of other books for you to discover and read and enjoy. And it would be great to help them out, help the podcast out, to help these writers be discovered, to give a like, give a review, share this with some friends. And if you go to the website, there are some links in the sidebar. If you are interested in any of those services, 
please click on the link. It'll give you a great service that I personally use, and it will also help support the podcast to keep it going. And then come back each week to find more new Discovered Wordsmiths. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you. 